happy Sunday. This is Adelita and we're having a plática with Adelita. And we're going to be talking about what we've been doing is trying to talk about issues that are facing our community during the campaign. We were talking about a lot of voting issues. And now we're talking a lot about what is facing Pima County. And as we're transitioning into the position for Board of Supervisors and really trying to engage our community on issues that are coming up here, we want to work together to ensure that we discuss um, and overcome challenges together. So today we're going to be talking with our local educators and education advocates, three of my favorite people, by the way, about the state of education in Arizona and Pima County and how it impacts the impacts of COVID-19 have affected, affected students and teachers. So in Pima County alone, uh, since the beginning of the pandemic, we've lost um, 905 members of our community. And sadly, that number is increasing every day. Um, and 59,000, over 59,000 cases in total here in Pima County. Um, today, 1,070 new cases have been reported. And I was one of those people like 11 days ago. And so it really does sort of throw your whole family into turmoil. Also today, um, the Banner and TMC announced that effective on Monday the 21st, all elective surgeries are being canceled. Everything that is being canceled, mainly because people that have COVID are staying in, our, um, in the ICU longer than everybody else. So just to give you an example, the average person with COVID that is in the ICU is staying between 12 and 18 days. Someone who has open heart surgery is in the ICU for three to four days. So our people, the people that have COVID are staying in our system longer. And so this state where our community is in a state of crisis and we've been facing, um, and it's been impacting our lives every day from holiday gatherings to voting to every other kind of gathering. We're all in this boat together. So school's out now for the winter break, and I'm sure Eddie and Adam and Crystal, you're also very happy. Yay! I am too, except all the kids are here now. So they're not, there's nothing to say, go to class. They're all just kind of out and about. <laughs> but um, so we have to come together again pretty soon to find out like how we're going to be able to start the next um, quarter. And so I would love the people that are with me to introduce them. Well, we'll go ahead and start the way you're on my screen, Crystal. Introduce yourself, Crystal. Good afternoon. I'm Crystal Ann Foster, and Adelita reminded me that I'm still on the Tucson Unified Governing Board for a few more days. And, and I heard her say she's transitioning to the Board of Supervisors, but that's she's not transitioning from the TUSD board. She's still on the board for two more years. And so transitioning offices, I don't know if transition's the word, it's more adding to adding to the group. <laughs> And, and this is not my normal background. I actually, I took two COVID tests um, before I, my family and I made the decision to have me drive to Denver. And so I spent the last two days driving. I was in an Airbnb in Albuquerque and talked to them about airing out that place before I arrived. And so taking all of those precautions as well. And so I'm in a full, full house here. And so uh, somebody could pop in and that's not my norm, but um, Yes, so I'm a few more days on the on the governing board and ready to pass those batons over to three new members who are joining uh, Tucson Unified in January. Well, and talk about your day job. And so, so Adam and I are colleagues. We actually hang out a bunch. This is how I've seen Adam all year, right? And this is this is his background, but not my normal background. And so, Adam and I were both in Sunnyside. I'm a language acquisition specialist in the uh, Sunnyside Unified School District. And so we've been we've been talking all year, right? Where how do we meet the needs of our special populations, right? And students who are learning English, whose whole life is not, I mean, normally they go to school for six to seven hours of English every day, but not right now. And so how are we helping students acquire a new language from their home, it's it's been quite a challenge, and that's yeah. just one of the challenges. Of course, we have the technology challenges and the Wi-Fi challenges, and even the space challenges. And um, my, my the biggest learning I hope though that we take from this is really talk about culturally relevant. Like, how more culturally relevant can you get than serving students within their home every single day? And so we are a guest in their home every single day and finding out every single part about 
what they, um, their, their true lives, their true lives. And if we can connect with that, which is what we try to do in the classroom all the time, right? But if we really, really can connect with that right now, that will transform education forever. Yep. Thank you. And thank you for being here. I know you're on vacation with your whole family. So I'm very appreciative of you taking time. Of course. Um, next is Eddie. It's Eduardo Elias Barron, but I do love your middle name also. Um, but Eddie, I've known him for a couple years and he is really, as he's a student in Sunnyside and also just a really strong advocate for himself, his community, for education, a supporter of a lot of different initiatives. Every time there's something going on, Eddie's there. And so I wanted, Eddie, just introduce yourself and tell people a little bit about you, those of you that don't aren't lucky enough to know Eddie. Well, hi everyone. My name's Eddie. As Adelita said, um, I go to Sunnyside. I'm currently a junior right now. We just finished our um, first semester. Thank God. And so <laughs> very excited about that. But um, I'm excited to have, I think, this really important conversation. I think it's a necessary one. So I'm just really excited to talk, um, be able to talk to you, with you all here today. Thank you, Eddie. And then we have Adam, my friend Adam, who is a teacher in Sunnyside. So I have the Sunnyside crew. And, you know, as a sidebar, now um, when I take office in January, I represent Sunnyside. So you guys are part of my district. So I'm very excited to be able to focus a lot more attention on Sunnyside, too. Um, Adam, please introduce yourself. So thank you, Adelita. I'm Adam Reagan. I am a high school English teacher and a college writing faculty at Pima College. I am at Sunnyside High School. I'm looking forward, hopefully, to Eddie being one of my dual enrollment students next year. Just a little pressure for that. Um, but I'm very excited to have this conversation. It has been a long semester. I feel like I have aged in 2020 about 30 years, and that was not running for TUSD or any of the community work. It was teaching. I think, like Crystal was saying, we are now guests in our students' homes, um, which has been very illuminating and exciting uh, and also challenging. So I'm glad to talk about that. I have to ask a question, though, Adam. Yes. If you aged 30 years in the last year, did, how did you qualify for the 40 under 40? That's, I'm hoping they don't do the math on that one. Congratulations. And, and tell us about that award, because that was really cool. I was watching half of the presentation. Like, Almost, I was almost through the whole thing and I had to get off and then I get this, congratulations, Adam. I'm like, when did I miss that? I missed your video. I missed all of it. So tell me. Yeah, so I, I was informed earlier this year that I won a 40 under 40 uh, for my work in the community uh, with the Cesar Chavez Coalition, uh, some of the mayor and council commissions that I've been on and things that I've done in the community as well as my work as an educator. And then I'm sitting there in office hours students talking about their final essays and my phone blows up so I think oh crap there must be a student that's having trouble with this let me check it real quick and it's like congratulations after congratulations at the end of the year and I'm like ah they're, they're having me on right now this has got to be a joke that's um, cool. so it's pretty cool it's it's also uh evidence that for such a uh, small town where we usually know everything about everyone this was kept a secret for a few months that's pretty impressive it, it is. is and we're both part of that club the 40 under 40. 40 under 40. I, I was just the first, I was in the first cohort. So it was a long time ago, but every now and again, I'll bring out my stuff. So I guess, remember I was under 40 at one point in my life. Very I thought sweet. you were only 21, Adelita. You no, know, I'm 29. And I just, you know, I just feel like it's fine. <laughs> exactly. So we're going to talk a little bit about how, um, so how has COVID affected your personal and professional life? And so we'll start with Eddie. So tell us about what, how COVID affected your student life. Well, uh, starting with my student life, I mean, every single aspect. Uh, I think last year when we left in March, March 13th was our last day of school. Um, we were kind of like, oh, well, we get a longer break. Yay. But it's just completely turned around. And I, I think that it's affected us a lot um, emotionally. And, you know, we don't get to see our friends. We were so used to going to school going um, to school at 7.20, by the way, in the morning, which I can't even think of now, um, getting ready earlier, going to school, going six periods a day, you know, uh, talking with our friends at lunch, and now that's not the case. So it's, it's, it's affected me a lot. I miss all my friends. I miss my teachers. I miss, I think I miss the most the uh, in-person, um, hands-on learning, which I really like, which really helps my learning. That's the way I learn. And so I think I miss that a lot, for sure. And then my personal life, I miss my friends a ton. 
Yeah. And how has it affected your grades and stuff? Because I know for my house, um, I have a daughter who's usually an A and B student. My son, Lito, went from the end of fifth grade to sixth grade without any real transition. So he went from one teacher to six. And that's been a real struggle for him. The one that's adjusted the best is um, Joaquin, who's in fourth grade. But I think it's just he has an amazing teacher. And so that makes a huge difference. So how has it impacted like the, the kind of student that you were in person versus how are you online? So luckily I still ended this semester with good grades, but for sure not like what I'm used to. I think uh, I, I struggle in math already as it is, but this year in math was just a roller coaster. I was constantly like having like little mental breakdowns, like how to do it. And um, I feel like teachers did what they could with what they had, you know? Um, and I, I give props to all the teachers who stayed extra time on that Zoom meeting, even though looking at a computer all day is so draining, um, just to make sure we understood uh, what we were learning. So, but yeah, it's for sure been a struggle. And I think this whole constant year was, I was never really happy with like what I was doing as far as my grades. I was always like, I can do better because I've you know done better. But um, I think one of my teachers told me, Eddie, it's okay. Not everyone is doing how they're used to. So, you know, she was kind of like, just it's, it's okay to not be the best right now. And so I think that helped me a lot. So Adam, how has it impacted your work and the students? Because Eddie's talking about it's really the teachers. And in my experience with my kids, the teacher's making the biggest difference, but that means that there's a lot on your shoulders. So how has it been for you? I think there has been, a, a for me and my colleagues, a, a bigger commitment of time. Um, first, and just adapting what we usually do face-to-face doesn't lend itself always to what you do through a computer screen. So we've got to figure out how to give those lessons. And then I think what Eddie said, we we resonate as teachers with our students when we, we see the frustration that they're not feeling like they're learning or doing their best. So we're trying as well to internalize that and represent information in a way that they can actually pick it up and find it useful and relevant, um, which has, to be honest, a lot of teachers feeling like they're failing right now. And the hard part for us to recognize is that this is brand new for all of us. There can be no failing at this because it's new for everyone. We have to learn how to get through it. And so have you been able to go on campus and do your Zooms and everything from campus? Or are you staying home? So during the first quarter, we had the option, the flexibility. Um, Sunnyside as a district has been very responsive and supportive of staff um, as well as students. I could work out of my classroom. Then we went for a few weeks we were doing hybrid until the numbers got so high that we went back to full on remote at Thanksgiving. Um, and then starting the semester we'll be remote. So we'll have the options to work out of our classroom, which for a lot of colleagues that works out better because a lot of them have already hit the top level of their internet and they are running out of data to be able to teach and stream for nine, 10 hours a day. Yeah, and so what was that like for you um, the, and Eddie, did you go back to school for hybrid? No, I did not. No. Okay. So what was that? What was the difference like for you, Adam, from having students online exclusively to some students in and some students uh, in class and some students online? It felt a little bit no, more normal. I would say just having the students there, being able to interact. Um, you know, 90% of our job is relationships. If you want to be able to teach, whether it's Shakespeare or algebra, right, or chemistry, you have to be able to have a relationship with the students. So just seeing them face to face, I was able to somewhat do that. But even that was only a fraction of what we're used to. We had a rolling block. So I only saw my students in person one day a week, while I also had a camera pointed at me for the live stream students. So I was trying to teach for the online and teach for the in-person. Wow, that's a that's a lot of a load. So, Crystal, I know that you're working with teachers every day. You we had to transition into and you were at the, the president. We're transitioning from in-person, you know, board meetings to let's do everything online. The same, I'm sure, is true in your professional life with um, giving professional development. All of that has had to be online. So what has that been like for you? So it's, I'm, there's so much to talk about, really. We as part of the. Um, I, it's it's kind of pseudo admin team, but we've been on site since January, and so we I've shown up to my office every day. We have four people in our in a portable space, so you know it's under those numbers and with the looking at the spacing and um, and really helping teachers that, that are teaching from home, teachers who are transitioning to to in person, teachers like Adam said that are balancing doing both, 
And I, I just think there, it's like teaching on, I, it's just teaching, it's like on steroids. There's so much, I mean, we, we think about teachers as entertainers, right? And you see people coming up with the most extraordinary ways to engage their students. And then Adam talked about relationships and absolutely, this is all about relationships and how do you, how do you bond and, and get to know somebody through this, the, through the screen, right? Really, and so it's everything that we know we do every day in person, but times a hundred, just absolutely times a hundred. And then the preparation, right? Like we already know. I, I always talk about teaching as a performance, and we're, you're on the you're on the stage for six hours, but you have to plan, you have to prepare, you have to assess, you have to re reevaluate, reflect. You have to do all of that after hours. But now you're having to do that on top of starting all over, and 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 yeah, you've taught this book before, or this or this text before, but you have to really be so so creative about how you um, how, how the implementation of that, and then the differentiation. And oh my gosh, we know that kids, and, and when you have 25, 30 kids in a class in front of you, it's you you, you think oh yeah, I have to remember. For those two over here or these three over here, I have to do things differently. And when you've got screens where you may or may not even be seeing the students' faces and to remember, and how do I really, really differentiate for all those different needs? It's just, you know, one a couple times I've said that the time person of the year really, really needed to be a teacher. And, uh, and I appreciate, yes, all of our first responders in the medical field, absolutely, and no knock on them at all. However, that is their field, right? That is their field in understanding medicine and understanding the human body and, and that, and I know that the overwhelmed with the numbers and the response, but I just think the teachers who have transformed our practice overnight, literally and in, in from one day to the next. And I just think the, that they are superheroes above and beyond any, any profession right now. They're just, I'm so, so overwhelmed with um, how much they're doing for our community. And last, just to say, we know that public education is the backbone. We feed kids, you know, mental health, education, family services, social work, counseling. We do so much for society. And now, really, I hope more than ever, people recognize how much public education serves in the lives of our families and our community. And, uh, and we, we have to go to bat now more than ever for public education, for respect and funding. I agree. Uh, one of the things that was the biggest issue for us as a board, for me as a parent, and I'm sure for all of you, is when we went online, how many of us were ready to do that? How many of us were ready with the internet, which we didn't have? We were doing hotspots here. That didn't work. Um, we didn't have an, a device for every child. And we were very fortunate for two working adults in the house so we could figure it out. But our school systems had to do a massive rollout. I mean, up until a couple of weeks ago, we still had students in TUSD. And I know Sunnyside is in the same boat that still didn't have internet. And so, and then in addition to just being able to access education, very quickly realized how many students were not getting any food because we weren't open. So how to figure that out. So those were the big takeaways for me is how not, it's not just a digital divide. We had like a resources divide. There were so many people who just didn't have, and we didn't, I don't know that I didn't appreciate that. I really didn't because, you know, our kids didn't need a lot of stuff here at home because they had it at school. And now every child has their own device. We have a printer at home, but we're in a position where a lot of other students can't access that. So Eddie, do you know people in like your, your um, classmates or when talking to your teachers, like how many students are still being impacted every day by not being able to have like a printer at home or, or internet? Well, I know that I ask me, um, Hey, do you have a printer at home? Can I print something out? Or, um, Hey, can I go over my internet's not working? And, um, one of my really good friends had her best friend coming every single day of the week because her internet never worked. So I think that a lot of students, I think still, um, continue to, uh, struggle with, you know, these, these barriers. So, but yeah, it was definitely, I saw it firsthand and 
Um, you know, for example, my little sister, I, my mom is a single mom and she works all day. So my little sister had to go to uh, my Nana's house and my Nana would then teach her there, you know, kind of play teacher and make sure she's doing her work, make sure she's, uh, you know, staying on task. So it, it was hard. And I think for sure, hands down, everyone around, you know, um, had to readjust in a lot of different ways. Yeah. So, um, Adam, how was that for you? Like, what was attendance like in your classrooms um, from the last day of in-person to the transition? And how has it been this year? Because, you know, we had the last end of last school year and now we're here 2021 um, starting this way. How has it been for you and how many children do you think you've lost? So quite a lot, actually. Um, I think when we were at the initial stage, so as Eddie said, March 13th to the end of the year, um, I teach seniors. So a lot of them, when they found out it was maintained and improved, they knew they were done. And I also, I'm going to say, I can't blame them because they didn't get a graduation. They didn't get a prom. They didn't get a senior trip or senior day. So there was nothing left for them there. Uh, but starting up this year, we've seen some students come in hot and heavy sort of at the beginning and then things taper off as they go. Or there have been some students that to this day, if I didn't have a little icon picture in the student information system, I wouldn't know what they look like because they either don't have the internet to turn on the camera or they aren't in a safe space to turn on the camera or they just don't feel like that's connecting for them. So I don't know what they look like. Um, wow. so my attendance numbers have been somewhat good um, compared to other colleagues, but not great compared to being face to face. And that exposes that, that inequity that's always been there, right? Which is when students come to school face to face, we're able as the adults in that community to intervene and give them resources and help them. But when you take that attendance away, then the adults around them that could help them aren't there to actually intervene. So they fall through the cracks and yeah. it becomes a really scary situation. Yeah, so Crystal, Jen, our friend Jen Darland uh, made a comment that the technology gap for students um, also can extend to parents and guardians who either lack understanding or familiarity with tools or access to tools. Gaps in equity fully exposed, were fully exposed in this crisis. So I know that we got a lot of communication, but what's it been like for you on both ends with Sunnyside um, and with TUSD and in, in working with adults that really don't have access to the technology that, that they need or their children need? Absolutely, and we're, in, when we, thinking about teachers as parents, right? Like this is the students who are succeeding through, well, I, I I know that we have a lot of students who are figuring this out by themselves like Matt and props out to them, it's incredible. And we also know there's families who, the, the, the parents are right there and they, they have that technology that um, know how and they can help and they can figure this out and they are their teacher, they talk, they are biggest partner in education and those students are, are succeeding and we have others who that their parents are not there and i've been in i was in an interview in an interview in a meeting with the principal and he was talking about middle school principal and he has students who they are juggling like you talked about your son for the first time six or seven classes right but he, they're the middle schoolers the only student at home and mom and dad is expecting um the the middle schooler to be the parent to the second second grader the third grader and so that this young person for the, is in charge of their sibling in second or third grade attending that class and juggling six classes themselves, right? I mean, I, we don't do that as adults, what we're expecting. And so when, when Jen talks about that, that equity divide, it's a huge divide right now. And when you have young people who are 12, 13 years old, who are being more grown up than, than anybody I know right now, and how, how can they really focus on what they're um, on their studies when they are really focusing on on um, surviving? I had another teacher at a high school talk about her student was in the Zoom class while he was driving to Phoenix to go to work, and she said, "Oh my gosh, my dear, put the phone down. You you, you do not have to be in the Zoom." But the pressure that he felt to attend class, to be in class but also to provide for his family. I get emotional just thinking about that he was driving to Phoenix and had his Zoom going on his phone and that pressure and having this young person having to decide and, and um, juggle those decisions. It's just, it's so much. And, well, and also, lastly, when Adam talked about seeing 
not necessarily even seeing the students on the screen. And I went to an uh, Arizona School Board conference the other day that we had online. And this teacher from the Navajo Nation said, because of the internet service in their community, she's never seen her students' faces. There is no camera. And she has all her students never seen their faces all year. And she got an email from a student who said, I can tell you care about me and then asked for help. And she said, I don't even know what she looks like. I get emotional, but, but she can tell I care about her. And so the relationships are really everything, everything right now, absolutely. Well, and, and some of us are working from home. And so you have some parents that are physically there, but some of them are teachers. And so you can't, the sad part is, is you're focusing all of your energy on making sure that the 20 plus, 30 plus students on your screen are getting what you need. And you could have a kid down your own child down the way that needs help. And it's like, when, when can you take a break to go do that? Um, but the technology issue is pretty significant. I mean, I'm really fortunate that I have an office that I can go to sometimes. So when we have board meetings for different things, I can go somewhere else where it's quiet and nobody else is there. And I feel safe because the last person that was in there was like two hours before I get there, but, um, and no other person in the room. But if you have my three kids on their zoom, my daughter has another laptop that she opens cause she likes to look things up and it's hard to do this way. Um, my husband is on zooms and, am, and I am, we have to shut off all of our cameras. And then my older two get in trouble for not having their cameras on. I'm like sending these furious little emails. Like, it's not like they're blowing it off. If you want us all to be here, we have to turn everything off because Zooms are really draining on um, the technology, like the internet, you're, you get to a certain point, like Adam was saying, and that's all there is. So what is, what is like a major reflection, like a takeaway from this year? I know for all of us, it can be really big or really small. So I'll go ahead and start with Adam because, um, or more than one, I know that we have a lot of real significant things that we've taken away from this year. So I think a, a big level takeaway is that learning can still happen if we step back and ask ourselves, what is it that the learning looks like and how are we actually assessing that? Um, and realizing that the old ways that we were using that we've all, I, I worked with you guys before on this, about high stakes testing and other things that don't necessarily reflect learning and rather an ability to do well on that test. If we shift to the ways of measuring that, my students have done really well this year to learn the things I was able to teach them. Um, but then I think maybe a smaller takeaway that's actually the, the bigger takeaway is that it really does come down to the relationships. And I knew that before March 13th, but after March 13th, I can't ever go back to a, a time before this. This is yeah. always going to have to be, we need to invest in our students at a pre-K all the way through um, post-secondary. Yeah. I, Eddie? So a big takeaway for me was, um, I have a couple, but I'll just like name yeah. a few. Um, I think that for sure it all comes down to like what Adam said, relationships. And I think compassion, understanding, and communication. I, that's what got me through, literally, is I would have to email my teachers like, my internet's not working, I don't know, and you know, then they would understand, they would connect and make sure that um, we were on the same page. So a lot of that helped, and I think that um, the relationships we built with each other and everyone during times like these um, really uh, sent a message. Yeah, what about when you go back, what is, what is it that you miss the most? from being on campus? Oh, everything. I miss like football. And we appreciate so much more next year, fingers crossed. I, I, I miss being like in, a, in like groups and I would hate like having like groups, projects and now I like miss them. I want them back, so I cannot wait. Yeah, Crystal? Oh, there's so many things. Um, quickly though, I think we've learned we can be more efficient using this technology. Like we have had more interaction with IEP meetings than we've ever had because it's so much easier to gather everybody together. And so we really, we have a colleague, Adam's heard this many, many times in Sunnyside, um, who says we can't waste a good, you know, we can't waste a good pandemic, right? Like we, we gotta use this opportunity to transform. We don't wanna waste this pandemic, right? to transform our our practice and transform education. And uh, I know I see Andy's 
comment in the chat about assessment. And my other reflection is like truly how are we as a society measuring measuring if it's working or not? And we, if we've been saying for over a decade that the tests don't work, if we're not gonna stand up now and say no, when are we gonna stand up, right? And I know that there's, Adelita and I know very well that there's a financial consequence if we don't do what ADE says. Well, I call on ADE and say, are you, you know, are, are we truly going to make us, our students go through this testing opportunity experience right now? Are we, I know that the State Board of Education says they don't want to hold us to the accountability to A through F. Okay, well then let's use this opportunity. How are we measuring? How are we holding public education accountable? And let's use this opportunity to really talk about those relationships. That is what it is. And the, the stability of your community and the resources of, in your community. Um, and, and we talked about grades, right? Adam said earlier, nobody can fail right now. And so the whole 90, 80, 70, 60, like turning in work. I mean, this is such an opportunity to reform. We always talk about education reform. Here's our shot. And we have to have the creativity and we have to have the leadership who will take the risks to say, yeah, this is what grading looks like now. Or And and, and I know a lot of teachers are upset about some of the, the um, ways different districts are trying to look at grading differently because it really feels like I want to do what I always know. And so we all have to take that risk to do something different from ADE to school boards, to the classroom, to the parents, and um, like they, we don't want to waste this opportunity to transform schools. Yeah, and I think that that's really important because the people that are in charge of deciding what our classrooms look like haven't been in a classroom for a really long time. And so when I'm looking at someone like Eddie and my kids and the young people that I work with, it's it, they all talk about like, why aren't we taking an opportunity to change what this looks like. Because there was always this argument that, you know, you have the desks and the chalkboard and we've changed the technology a little bit, you know, the desks are now tables and it's a whiteboard now, but essentially it's still butts and seats and here's a screen that we can go through. So trying to figure out how we change this dynamic, I think is something that is a real big challenge that I'm hoping our new administration and our state for that. I, I'm not I'm not as optimistic about our state, um, but I am optimistic about the national front and how we can really change what education looks like. Because when you were talking about testing, this question came up from our very good friend, Andrea Rickard, that says, thanks so much for holding this important conversation. I have concerns about testing this year. In TUSD, we just finished our second quarter benchmark testing and it was a difficult round. I know that, the, that Governor Ducey has mandated that we test K-12, but who says we have to do business as usual with testing in this crazy upside down world? My fourth grade um, students took an 18 page reading test, writing and a 30 question math test. I think that we can do better than that. And it's true. And again, what I just said is that the people that are deciding what these assessments look like, well-meaning, have wonderful backgrounds, but we haven't been in classrooms in forever. And we are not dealing with this. I know that when I go into meetings, many meetings, including governing board meetings, people are shutting their cameras off because it's easy to tune out. You can lay down, you can, you know, have snacks, you can eat, everything can come off. But I've walked by my children's um, classes and the vast majority of these little boxes are black. And there's a teacher that's sitting up there trying. I mean, they're trying so hard to like engage. And I just don't know how you do that and not have like a head nod or a laugh or an eye roll even, any like any reaction, how do you do that? And so I make my kids turn on their screens and then I will email their teacher, like, did they turn on their screen? <laughs> Cause I'm telling them to, just like you have someone else to talk to. Um, so I just think it's crazy. So Eddie, what was testing like for you? Your, the assessments in Sunnyside? Cause we know what they look like in TUSD. So it was so, just, I think I, the teachers handled it the best way possible, I feel like. But um, for example, in my math class, my math teacher was like, a day before we got our Illuminate math test, she was like, guys, there's gonna be like a couple questions on there that we just haven't covered yet. Cause she tries spending so much time on each topic to make sure that we understand it. And so she doesn't have enough time to teach all these topics as, um, you know, business as usual testing, you know? So I think she spent 
as much time as she could. And therefore she couldn't get through all the topics that we were supposed to learn. So like a day before testing, she was like, this is how we do it. Like trying to like squeeze in that Aww. much. And yeah. I really, her. I was like, she was like, guys, this test, it's okay. You know, once again, to not be great at it. But I think we really do have an opportunity to change the way we test. Cause I don't think it's an efficient way. Um, and I think that we can just, you know, do better. I think, um, because testing was hard. It was hard. Yeah. And it was trying to figure that out to make sure that parents aren't helping, but you're actually helping them to focus. My son um, did very poorly in his assessment and he has a teacher that knows enough to say he was just really distracted. He was just, he knew as soon as he was done with this, he could go. <laughs> so he just ran through it. And then they asked for help from us to say, don't sit there. I mean, sit there and just make sure he focuses. Don't give him answers, obviously. Yeah. So my husband didn't. I was here, but he sat there with them. And what about those kids that don't have somebody that can do that? I mean, I, I know so many kids. There's a couple in my son's fourth grade class who are wearing masks all day because they're at one of the learning, um, you know, the, the expanded learning kind of areas like a little lounge they all kind of sit really far apart and they have mass and you can hear a little bit of an echo every now and again um but the rest of them it's you can hear kids saying hang on i gotta go help my little brother who's in kinder and you know the fourth graders helping the the little brother um so what is it what are some tips that we since we've been doing this for a little while what are tips that you have for people about living life digitally Eddie, we'll start with you because I think that you're, for you, this transition was probably a little bit easier than for me. I know that. <laughs> I mean, for Crystal, because you guys do a lot of your life online and, and it's been a little, it's, it's a little bit, it's been a little tough. tough. Yeah. So I would say self-discipline. It's important. And I know it's hard to have discipline during like this because we don't even know what's going on. Like, you know, it's we've never experienced something like this before. So I think self-discipline for sure. Cause in the beginning I'd wake up at, you know, class started at 720, I'd wake up at 715 and like kind of jump on, but, um, and it wasn't, it wasn't really that great. And it wasn't, um, I, I saw that I wasn't, you know, as focused as I could be. And um, in a time where we really need to, you know, pay attention to everything we're learning cause it's not normal. Uh, self-discipline is very important. Yeah, Crystal? Oh, I thought like I was waiting for Adam because I'm still in the mode of needing needing advice yeah. too in this digital world. I think it's really just uh, taking time away from the computer, right? And I think when we think about that asynchronous work that we give kids, does it have to be on the computer, right? Does it have to be this? I mean, can it be? Um, I just think that the, the time to go do things outside and to explore and then come back and talk about that. But really, uh, I know that that's what I have to do. I have to self-pace and that I can't be here 24 seven because, and it's tough because this is where our social life is too, right? And you know, you yeah. come have a, a happy hour with your friends here and it's, oh, I just, I want, I, I we, we all miss that interaction that, that I don't even know the last time I saw any of you three in real life, right? And um, and we're and I feel like we're we're all in our little space, you know, capsules right now. <laughs> you know, Starmen. We're all yeah. We're just in these little spaceships, and um, we have to get out of those to to be to stick to 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 stay in tune with the natural world, right? I have to go walk every day. I have to go to the park. I have to in my backyard or here with the snow, you know, really I have to stay in touch with the natural world. Um, even though so much of our world right now is, is through this machine. Yep. It is. I know before we go, you need to show us all the snow because you know, we're here in Tucson and we don't have any. It's a little chilly though. I think well, I, I, love it for Christmas. I always say I love snow for the holidays and can it please fall from the sky like next Thursday? <laughs> <laughs> Timing wise, well, yeah. Saw, I don't know if you saw one of our former principals who moved back east and he had this photo online about, oh, I have to shovel before I go to work. What? I have to shovel? I'm missing the desert. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I, I don't do that. When you have to shovel it before you go to work, that's for sure. Yeah. But this week is the perfect week for snow. Oh my gosh. I want to go take my kids. I don't think they've seen it in years. Um, Adam. 
So I, I think the tip Crystal just gave is probably the, the biggest takeaway from me is I think on March 14th, 15th, I thought I can handle this, right? Online is not going to be that draining. And then it turns out to be the most exhausting experience that I've ever gone through. And then having that epiphany moment, if I feel this way, my students feel this way, my colleagues feel this way. Um, but it's also, I think a lot of you know me, sort of dogged determination. I When I get a bone, I don't let it go when I fight for what I believe in. And going back to our earlier discussion, one of my takeaways is to not be compliant with um, getting back to normal as quick as possible. I think we do that too much in our society and we forget the lessons that we've learned that are in front of us. We've gone through a pandemic as a society before. We've talked a lot about 1918. I've used it in my classroom to help my students realize you know, cyclical patterns and being critical about news cycles and other things. So I think being able to uh, take what we've learned here um, is maybe my big survival strategy is that I'm going through something, we're going through something, there are lessons to be learned. Let's pick it up and actually learn from it, um, which helps me not avoid the moment. But Crystal's right. Uh, please keep the snow where you're at, by the way. Um, it's great in pictures, uh, but, but I have my, I try to tell my students, go take a break, turn off the camera, go walk around the, the house, the neighborhood, uh, stay safe, but try to get out. We live in this beautiful, amazing area with a lot of natural uh, beauty to it. Get out and enjoy it because there's still beautiful things in the world right now. Yeah, I think that for me, um, I was able to come home last night for the first time since I've been isolated from my family. So it's like 11 days. I know I got two negative tests. I'm like, I'm coming home. But um, the first night we we saw Las Posadas with Carrillo. And so it was all virtual and they kept showing all of these really cool pictures of like from the very first one, because it's been over 80, I think it was 84 is was last year, the 84th Posada. So it was really great because actually, Crystal, I saw a picture of you in there. I saw like some little, little people that I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize he went to Carrillo and then my kids. And um, it was interesting because my son is the only one that can still participate. And he just said, it makes me sad. It makes me sad to do it like this. So I don't want to do it, but I'm going to do it next year. I'm like, okay. But, um, you know, to be able to sing the songs and to see the screen with all the people, I mean, it just, it, you miss it so much, like the the connection and the connectivity and being able to hug somebody. It's like, I we're isolating here for so many days so I can go and give my mom like a real hug and not like an elbow hug. You know, it's it's difficult, I think. But one of the takeaways for me has been when you're talking about the children that are impacted the most from being out of school in the traditional, in our traditional world, which is kids that have um, a discipline issue or attendance issue because they don't have transportation or, you know, they keep missing the bus or whatever it is. I think that we have to take an opportunity to not lose what we've built. So we can still continue to work with those children that really, or have long-term illnesses or their parents have long-term illnesses. It's so much easier in some ways to be able to flip open a computer and wherever you are, you're part of your classroom um, regardless. And so when we get to the point where we're all, the vast majority of us are back um, in person, I would love to figure out a way to be able to still connect those students that can't be there for whatever reason. Because um, I do think that that's something that we really need to reimagine. We really need to look at and appreciate the fact that our schools are hubs for so much other stuff. We have so many children that are dealing with mental health issues because, and we've heard from many of them, we've heard them, I've heard them at the board of supervisors meeting and a TUSD, you know, sports are a big thing. Arts are a big thing for a lot of people being able to participate and act in a play, the performances, like all of those things are gone. And so I'm really going to appreciate those a lot more. Um, I remember before I would, I love graduations and stuff, but then you get all these invitations to do all these other things and, you know, we'd have a play at school and I'm like, okay, well, I'll be there in the front row for the third. I've seen this play three times, but I'm going to watch it. Now I'm going to appreciate it a lot more because I'll remember this time where we didn't have any of that. Um, so it, it sort of makes you sad, but really able to appreciate how we can still serve those young people that are in quarantine all the time. I mean, think about those kids that have been long-term suspended, that can't come to school because they have, they're going through chemo or their parents are going through chemo and they can't be exposed to the germs. All of those kids, we can still, those students we can work with now and continue to. And I, I'm excited about that. I'm 
I'm excited that my kids are going to go back to school sometime. I'm very thrilled about it. Um, one of the things that we've been talking about, though, is how the rollout of the vaccine. And so a lot of people are saying teachers should be their essential and teachers should be um, given the vaccine right away. Um, Adam, do you think you're going to take the vaccine? Hundred percent. I've had this conversation with a couple colleagues, a few family members, and we have to listen to science. And I've been vaccinated against other things before. I've had my MMR. I couldn't get this job if I didn't have my my vaccinations, right? Um, so I'm I'm glad to have teachers in a higher group um, to help get the schools back to normal because. Our conversation earlier, we have to remember we, we act in the place of the parents, right? And local parentis. So we need to get our schools back up so that we can get our families back to the place that they need to be. Um, so yeah, I'm willing to take the vaccine. Um, I'll be, I guess, a big boy and get my shot. Yeah. Um, and I'm encouraging others to also uh, take that as the cycles roll out, because at least what I'm reading in the science is that if we all do it in the order that we're asked to do, it, we can get back to a healthy society faster. If people start shying away from it and or avoiding a vaccine or spreading misinformation, it just slows the whole process down. Yeah. What about you, Eddie? Yeah. My mom's like, you're going to take it if the scientist says you're going to take it. And like, oh, I'm going to take it. Oh, Crystal, you take it? Absolutely, and I and I um, uh, will wait my turn, right? I think it's really important. I have a friend, he's, he's 87, right? I met him through all the political work and he posted, he lives in an assisted facility, not quite a nursing home, but there's an assisted facility and he posted online, how, when do I get it? When do I get it? When do I get it? And so I know so many people are going to the Pima County Health Department page to find out when do I get it. And I think it's important um, that the, you are in your new role at Alita so you can help making sure that people know where they can go find out wh where's my spot in this and, and that I show up and I know where to show up. And, and um, because we all, we, yes, right now we need our healthcare workers, absolutely, to get, to get their shot, please, right now. And I'm so proud of my different friends who are posting I've got it. I got it. I know there's two, isn't there? You take one and then a few weeks later. Yes, 21 days later, you take another one. Yeah. And so, and I'm hearing, I don't know if anybody else is hearing the teachers around February. I'm hearing around February. Uh, don't We can't hold it to that, but I hear spring and then after that. And so just, it's important that everybody finds out where are you in this? And like Adam said, it's everybody's responsibility right now and to fall in, in this, where are you in the, uh, in the line to get this um, vaccine because it's what it's how we get the fastest back to normal. Is everybody so the Moderma? So the Pfizer one's out. The Moderma one is out, and we're getting gonna get be getting those. Am I the only chicken that is waiting for the? Is hoping that the Johnson and Johnson one is available when it's my turn? Because that's only one <laughs> supposed to do. I think I'm, trying to, I'm trying to think of what my reward will be for getting two shots, right? I know. Well, no, you get a sticker, a little bit. Good for you. Are, I, even teaching high schoolers, stickers are powerfully motivating. They really um, are. They are. It's like my oh my. I voted sticker. It's a it's a thing. I saved them all. Um, did did, did my, you see one of our teachers over at Monzo? Every time a student turns on his camera or answers, he puts a sticker on his face and another sticker on his face and another sticker on his face. And I thought he's so in tune to what. <laughs> Oh, can I fill up my face with the stickers? And I know other teachers in our district are doing that. And it's just. I'd worry yeah. about my beard a little bit, I think. But I, I'd be down to try that. Going up right here. <laughs> um, so I, I took my family to go get tested. So I had my second negative test and I took them to get tested. And um, it was interesting because all they did was, oh, my gosh, I thought they were going up to my brain. It was, And I said, did it hurt or was it just uncomfortable? It was uncomfortable. And I said, could you deal with it? It's like, yeah. So do you want to get these results? So then we can, you know, we can all be together and not be worried. They're like, yeah. Because I I mean, I I feel like they didn't have to. My husband could get tested. Like our pod was tested for sure. I'm the only one really that leaves the house. Um, but my son, the little one, wanted to get tested. He's ten, he's nine. And I said, Why do you want to get tested so badly? Because I was I was worried for him, but he gets the one where you just it goes around the inside of your nose for a little longer. So it's kind of irritating. But he said, well, because when schools open, 
I want to be able to go back and say that I'm safe because I don't want Miss Peralta to get sick. I'm like, you're too much. And then he said, and then also maybe Disneyland will open. I'm like, well, there you go. There's the nine-year-old. I was like, I kind of want Disneyland to open too. Um, when it's safe, when it's safe. So what, um, all of you are very involved in education and um, and are very, very strong activists for yourself, your students, your friends, your community. What drove you to get involved in education? And what is gonna keep you, keep you engaged? Um, I'll go with Crystal. Go the other way. What's what will keep me engaged? Uh, next yeah. time around, or with the first time around? <laughs> you can do either one. You're right. both. First time. I mean, I, I, my family can attest to that. I played school in the basement after school. So I, I mean, I grew up. This was my role was becoming a teacher, and then when the need in my community, um, when teachers you know, freedom of speech was being attacked. I absolutely stood up and uh, that was what I was passionate about. And and I ran for school board and people wanna know what am I doing next? And I say, oh, I don't have to know, but I know I'm crazy enough to next time something comes around, I'll be the person that, that says I'm in, I'll stand up, I'll do it. And we know with everything in, in social justice and social change, it spirals, it spirals, you know, we don't always just take steps up. And so something will happen again and I'll be the person that um, steps in. Yeah. Um, Adam? So I, I think um, I'm kind of like Crystal as, as a youngster, I knew what I wanted to do and I wasn't sure that I wanted to be a high school teacher. And it wasn't until I got into the high school classroom and realized this is where it's at. This is, I have a true chance to impact something bigger than me and that will last uh, and have ripples into the future. So I keep thinking about that's what will always bring me back to it, but it's always that activism. I think Crystal's right, there's a spiral. And when something crops up, I'm always gonna stand up and fight for it, whether it's for my students, uh, my peers and colleagues, or for parents and families in the community. I'm gonna keep my, my head down and focus on what I can do because education really is the central, it's the central focus for so much in our society. And we need folks that are committed to advocating for that and desirous of good outcomes from that. Mm -hmm. Eddie? Well, I think um, what got me really motivated and uh, what, you know, kind of ignited my passion for fighting for education was the fact that I'm a product of public education and it will be for the next year and a half. So I think it's, um, it's very important that we uh, continue to fight for it and continue to find resolutions and ways to reform it and make it better. You know, you know, things never get better when they're the same. Yep, exactly. And so we have a friend, um, Kelly, who made the comment about um, against passing every student just to pass them, I guess. Um, and it basically says, I don't think that there, that a no failures or any, any policy like that. So no S or something um, that, you know, if students who, Students can't fail unless they never do any work should be in effect. We want to get our seniors graduated if at all possible, but otherwise it's not the end of the world um, if large numbers of kids repeat the grade next year, even if they tried. If we pass them on to the next grade, if they aren't prepared, they will just get uh, more behind academically. Um, Eddie, did you want to address that? Yeah. Um um, so I think it's important on instead of looking at grades, you know, A, B, C, D, E, uh, A, B, C, D, F, you know, I think let's look at why we have those grades, why these grades are happening. And um, I, although, you know, some people can say, oh, well, they're not doing their work. Well, why? You know, let's figure out that and let's figure out how we can, um, I think, better the solution and make sure that those kids are getting the grades um, that are needed. Yeah. I also think that it's something to do with how engaged the teacher is. Because, right. I mean, I think that if, if, you know, Adam said it too, if you're doing the same things you did in the classroom and haven't made a lot of modifications, and this is not a slam on anybody, I know that this whole process is difficult, but if we haven't made adjustments for the environment that our students are in now, um, if we haven't made adjustments for resources that they may or may not have available, like if you're doing some big science project and you don't have all of the materials that you need at home, you don't have the connectivity to get in and out of classes easily as some other students. You don't have the parents that are there with resources. My concern is that when you when you give a lot of failing grades and a lot of homework, 
a lot of work, the same volume of work that you give normally, it's really difficult to have our students interact outside of that. I mean, my daughter was in mariachi, dance, and basketball. And she pushed herself because if, if her grades didn't stay up there, she would have to cut back on those things and she loved all of them. And so she didn't want to. And that was her incentive. And the little bit of peer pressure you get from like, what'd you get on that report? And she'll like, oh my gosh, da 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 da, got a, got a, got a, um, an A plus. And I only got this. So she's going to work harder. Cause you do. I mean, I do think that if you listen to the top students in every grade, um, you know, seniors or whatever, salutatory and valutatory, and they always thank each other for pushing each other. Like, you made me step up my game. Um, so if you don't have that, I wonder where we are, where we don't make, take into account like the mental drain and the exhaustion that our students are dealing with every day. So um, Adam, I know that you all were talking about this in Sunnyside, and I know we talked about it in TUSD. So what do you think about that policy that students can't fail? Like they're, they're, we don't be, we won't be giving out Fs. I think it still relies on the presumption that we look at what we've been doing and that we we assess learning and the ways that we used to do instead of looking at this as an opportunity to say, how do I know I can, I how do I know my students learned what they learned? Like in my classroom, we have our learning targets and success criteria, and we co-construct those success criteria together to say what does it look like to you to be successful. Now it's my job as the expert in the subject to help my students in a place I need them to be, but I think we as a society could have a larger conversation. And that's where I would extend out to any policymaker, um, to this governor, as well as the legislators that don't come to classrooms to come on down and see what it is that we're actually doing and what it looks like before they start making policies that try to fit their solution to their problem. Because to me, I care more about that I get my students to a place that I want them to be by the end of the learning and my time with them rather yeah. than how many A's that I have, how many F's that I have, we still have to care about that. And there still has to be a way to assess that. But we have to re-ask ourselves, um, are we actually measuring what we want the students to learn? Or are we measuring that uh, in a way that will let us feel good as adults that we have data to look at? Right. Yeah, I think it is important for us just, um, as Eddie was saying, his math teacher was like, okay, these are these things that we didn't cover. At some point, I think you have to acknowledge and give yourself a break too. Like we weren't able to get to all of that. Hey, um, Crystal, do you have any guests there that you want oh, to introduce? Do we have a guest here? Do you want there, We There was a- He's coming. He was taking my dog to go meet his neighbors. Yeah. But here he is. This is, who are you? Oh, now he's shy. He wasn't shy ahead of time. So this is my, my nephew, Tyler, who's been doing online learning too, right? And you were just upstairs doing some reading practice, I heard. Yeah. <laughs> so third grader here in Colorado doing online learning, right? And we played, um, what, what card game did we play earlier? Go fish. No. Go fish, sorry. Sorry, I had an, and so what grade are you in? Is that third? Were you playing in the snow? Because my kids are jealous that you're playing in the snow. I'm jealous you're playing in the snow. It's like it's cold. What are we going to go do tonight? He's got a plan here. What are we going to go do tonight? Tell him real fast. Oh, oh, you can't show them. Funny. You can't show me. You have to tell him. Dancing houses. Ooh. Radio. Nice. Dancing nice. houses because there's so many houses with, with holiday lights. We've seen oh. six, but I added seven because well we're gonna see one tonight so well, we're gonna can you record those and have your tia send them to me because i would love to see them i watch them all the time what oh, song are we gonna go see tonight what's the song well if we go to that like rich house and we get there right on time the first song is uptown funk oh that is a good one I we'll love that. Catch that one. We'll catch that video for you, Adelita. Thank you, because that is one of my favorites. I want to thank you for that. We have one minute. And so I just want to say before we sign off how appreciative I am of all of you giving up a part of your Sunday to chat about education wow. and how COVID has impacted it. I want to wish you all the happiest of holidays. Merry Christmas for those of you that I know celebrate Christmas. Um, I just am so very thankful for all of your voices and 
we just have to keep pushing the envelope. It's not going to get better without people like the three of you pushing this agenda. So I want to thank you all very much for your time. Have a wonderful holiday and the rest of your weekend. Stay safe, everyone. Happy holiday. Thank you. Happy holidays. Mask Good up, everybody. Thank you. Bye-bye.